You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Finn, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Finn, and it's been another week of free agency moves by Joe Shane. Uh, Giants have been pretty active so far. You know, Grump, before we got into that, I had this whole book filled with a monologue talking about how the Lightning were going to sweep the Devils this week, but since they lost last night... No need for a monologue. All out the window. Hat trick How you doing, for buddy? Jesper Bratt. <laughs> we'll see your ass in April. I'm just glad we didn't get swept because they were outclassed the other two times. They've been kind of on a downward slide this week. Um, whatever. But this is, this is just Giants. So um, yes. it's been a huge monumental week. There was um, one major move, I think, like the day we released the last episode. Naturally. Yep. Giants traded pick number 100. That was round three. I think the Kadarius Tony pick for Darren Waller, tight end from the Las Vegas Raiders, who is 30 years old, 6'6", 235 pounds, but runs a 4'4", 40. Um, former wide receiver, I think from Georgia Tech, um, was drafted by the Ravens and um, was acquired by... The Raiders, which I think that's where he made the transition to tight end, was I believe in, so. Yes, uh, was with the black and silver. Um, what this move means for this team, he immediately becomes the best weapon we have on offense, right? Uh, besides Saquon Barkley, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, the re- best receiving weapon we have. Yes. Um, I mean, I uh, so this is a guy who was a wide receiver. He came out of Georgia Tech, which is like a gimmicky offense school, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's this big, tall guy, so he ends up getting converted to tight end, where he's more of this athletic tight end, more of this receiving thing. So it's conceivable to think that we have no idea what his role in this offense will be. But my best guess would be to lazily connect Mike Kafka to the Kansas City Chiefs and say, I don't know, maybe something like Travis Kelsey? <laughs> That'd be A-OK. And, you know, I'm not sure if I have to go back into the uh, the archives of this show, if I've said it publicly on here or just in one of my billions of texts I do to Grump all the time. And I, I've said things like, God, I would love to have a playmaking tight end. You know, I'd love to have a Travis Kelsey. I'd love to have someone that is such a physical mismatch that, you know, changes the, the whole way you approach it in offense and uh if all can stay healthy which is the big if in this whole conversation we may just we may have gotten a steal on, on this trade um i i just want to you know i saw people connecting the dots saying oh we basically traded Kadarius tony for waller but it's just like until we see him on the field and being healthy for you know vast majorities of this season and, and, and next season you know i want to pump the brakes a little bit on that but it's very encouraging that that's the type of player they're getting and this is a front office not afraid to roll the dice a little bit i think to try to make that happen to get you know a market market inefficiency maybe yeah and and to the giants credit that they made an attempt to get that you know big mismatch tight end with evan ingram and they whiffed um i i think you know what he did in college did not really uh the, the over-the-middle stuff, the lateral stuff, is not really one of the better parts of Evan Ingram's game, and he was more of a vertical guy, and that's you know, he just wasn't used right. He also wasn't the best example of what they were looking for. So this looks a lot closer to what we uh, what you were always hoping for, right? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I would say probably you've been complaining about this since Kevin Boss, maybe. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, I just, again, not so much on a day-in, day-out basis of watching our offense, but it's just when I see someone else have it that we don't, especially the troubles we've had defending it over the past 15 years from, you know, 
whether it's Jason Witten or whoever it could be, just nobody like, knows the troubles I've seen. <laughs> wow, it's our soundtrack album coming out. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, that's that's what we've been torched the most, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That third and thirteen, and there's a guy getting fourteen yards over the middle, seemingly as easy as possible, and it's just like Jesus. We a we can't stop this, and b oh, I'd love to have that for myself. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I am incredibly stoked about this move i'm excited because we don't really he's a he's a guy that's going into a system we don't know a whole lot about um but also that he's flexible enough that he could do multiple things and even what we see him do at the beginning of the year may not be what he's doing at the end of the year in this offense so the world of possibilities that could be uh darren waller in giants blue uh has me more excited uh i guess than i normally would be uh, for just, you know, uh, a tight end of his caliber. I, I don't know. I, I think because we're kind of drafting in a little bit of a weird spot, too, that the obvious get-the-playmaker guy may, may not be there right away in the draft, and all of a sudden to be able to get one, you know, just making a move, you know, exchanging a draft pick for it, to me, just makes it, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot more it's a lot more probable that he will be successful than drafting someone that of, of potential so oh yeah yeah so so i as far as the deal goes i have no problem trade, trading draft picks for veteran nfl players and the reason why is because we do all this work and we get very excited about draft players but you really have no idea how they're going to move from the college level to the nfl level we we don't and we we You're- NFL organizations whiff in the first round every single year. You don't know what you're getting. Every, everybody whiffs. I mean, look at yeah. like look at like even like college recruiting. Like how many five star quarterbacks are out there? If I led you a list of who the five star quarterbacks were in 2018 out of high school, you tell me right now how many of those guys are in the NFL? Not many. How many of them flame out in college? Never mind even make it to the NFL. So all we're doing is trying to make a more educated guess and you know we're doing it here on the amateur level and obviously you know the pros in the nfl they're making educated guesses hell a guy like anthony richardson we talked about so much last week that is an educated guess these guys are making is this guy can he translate so yeah it's not an insult or a slight i mean like of, of all the sports out there i think the nfl has the most success with their drafting i i mean like there are very few misses as compared to other sports. I mean, baseball, forget it. Um, baseball is a total crapshoot. Basketball, yeah. I think, once you get beyond what, like pick five. Well, it's harder in basketball too because you know the, you're drafting younger and younger, and you yeah. guys aren't going to college, and it may be a G League guy or someone from from Europe, and now they're getting rid of the uh, the high school requirements. So you, again, you're getting into, you know, you're you're looking at. Just total stats, question marks. Stats on a combine. You're looking at clips. You're trying to you know, pound the pavement and go into the gyms, but you don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. So what you do know is what people already do at the NFL level. So you, you exchange that level of doubt for a little bit more wear on the tires. And, uh, I and, will, bigger, and bigger cap hits too. Yeah, exactly. And what you get is immediate impact because you don't have to adjust. You don't have to wait for this draft pick to adjust to, you know, and NFL lifestyle as opposed yeah, yeah. to just mentally the game. And, yeah. Mentally and physically too. Just all of it. I mean like those 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 are kids looking and purchasing their first house in the same off season that they're getting. You know what I mean? It's it's all brand new for them. Sure. For Darren Waller, he's been there, seen, done it. Um, he's been around a while. So I'm always in favor of trading away draft picks for veterans as opposed to using those draft picks on players whenever we're talking extraneous day two picks and – Day it three also, picks are just one. It also talks about the life cycle of a team, too. You know, if we're talking complete total rebuild, that's one thing. But now the Giants have graduated from total rebuild. Now they're in that quasi – yeah, we're still rebuilding, but now we, we 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 took a big snort of a line of playoff last year. Now all of a sudden we're addicted to it. So, But so, like this is just another move, though, uh, in a line of other moves by this organization that has built in outs. So this contract that they inherited, then they also reworked some of it to make it work. Uh, they're on the hook for $4.5 million for cap hit this year. And then there's a dead out every single year after that for the remaining four years in which they can have cap savings. So they are not hamstrung by this move at all beyond this year. We're finally playing chess with our front office when before we had a uh, 
a GM that was playing not even checkers was just you know playing with he was himself, getting basically. played yeah um all right so we're both excited about this obviously this is you know the best receiving weapon this team has and in exchange for that I believe a day later Kenny Galladay was officially released by the team for some upfront money rather than waiting for June 1st where they would get a little bit more uh, and then following that they re-signed Darius Slayton to the tune of two years for 12 million dollars now real quick I'm going to break it down that is a 4.1 million dollar cap hit this year next year is 7.75 million dollars with only a 1.75 million dead out so that means next year they can get out with $6 million in savings if they so choose. So this is kind of like a one-year deal if you want to look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one year will they will be on the hook for mm, about $6 million total. You know, my feelings about Darius Slayton have been pretty well known on this show and on Twitter. Um, I don't really have a read from you what you think of him. And, you know, I understand, you know, the situation in the past, what this kind of deal is, is really structured as basically a one-year deal. What do you think of Darius Slate? I think as a draft pick, he was a solid find for and, and solid value in the draft. Um, he is a deep speed, decent route runner, decent blocker. He's a team guy. Really, his big knock is just his hands. Everything else, he is an NFL caliber wide receiver three, I guess, if you want to say. He is, he is perfectly capable of being wide receiver three in a championship offense. Uh, I think he's probably more likely a wide receiver four, but you get the idea. For a fifth-round mm-hmm. pick, that's perfectly fine. Sure. For this deal, that's also perfectly fine because uh, it came out later that the Falcons were offering him more money, and he turned it down um, to stay home. The, Tells the you something. New York Giants and Daniel Jones are the only NFL home he's ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as where he is with this deal and now um, – I think it would, kind of like Darren Waller, I think it would be kind of silly to say that we know Slayton's role in the system already. We don't, I don't think. Um, I think this offense, A, is to be massively expanded. They have new weapons to play with. Uh, draft is going to play a big part of that, including the O-line, giving more yeah. time for things. They have new ideas that they were going to explore with. That's just the natural evolution of coaching teamwork over the years. There's lessons learned from last year. Remember, this is a first-year head coach and a first-year offensive coordinator that were at one point feeling out a quarterback to see if they even wanted him going forward. Um, right. and, 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 you know, we sort of saw this happen midway through the year last year. We saw offensive philosophies kind of in flux throughout. But at the very least, I think Darius Slayton can contribute exactly what he did last year, which was even in a minimized role at the beginning of the year, he still ended up with 46 catches, 750 yards, two touchdowns. If that's the if that's the least you get out of him, then you get out of this deal next year because you're paying $12 million for too, for too little, I guess. But I think you're going to get more than that from him. I, I, I feel more comfortable with him knowing he's going to be down the totem pole a little bit. Like we're not relying on him to be a, a, a wide receiver one in this offense next year. You know, Knowing that, that I don't have to rely on him as much. I think I'm going to feel better about having him on the team and, and having a role because I think the, the numbers and the yardage and potentially the touchdowns and the big play potential might be there if, you know, CB1 isn't on him. Like sometimes quite a bit it was last year. Uh, you know, I'm, I have a hole in my, in my uh, you know, depth chart that I think will be filled before we, we play the first game in September for wide receiver one. I think the combination of him and, you know, with, with getting the new tight end and I think an expanded role, hopefully for for Saquon Barkley, I think he may present some mismatch issues for teams, you know, on the, on the defensive side that he may not have been, he might have been kind of swimming in the deeper water last year based on, you know, necessity. So I, I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping that, you know, what pisses me off the most about him, like you said, or his hands, I hope that's something that, he grows out of it, just, you know, more confidence. You know, he's got a new contract. He's wanted. He's staying here. A little mature, more maturity. Not saying he's immature, but just natural maturity of getting a little older and more accustomed to these things. Maybe he doesn't have to think as much and, and get the yips trying to catch it. So I am I am willing to start the season fresh and clean, clean slate with him because I know I've been a pretty harsh critic of him. But I am, at least until he drops his first pass in week one, I am willing to have an open mind with him. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is is that 
46 catches, 750 yards. It was a huge production for a single player in the Giants' offense last year. That's mm-hmm. like, that's like huge production. But yet, it feels like the drops are just more memorable. Sure. I mean, it's so. all timing. It's, you know, what part of the game were they? What part of the season were they? Things like that. Sure. sure. Yeah, that the Vikings one. I mean, God, if he wasn't re-signed here, I think that's all we'd ever remember. Sure. Um, flipping to the defensive side, Jihad Ward retained defensive lineman on a one-year deal. That's all we know right now. Um, how do you feel, Jihad Ward, staying here? I feel there's a lot going on with this defensive line. I think uh, you know they understand the need to to build depth on this on this defensive line, but I also think they're trying to set up for the potential big moves on this defensive line because not necessarily just re-signing him, but who's coming into, into, uh, into facility this week for a visit and, you know, potential moves they still have to make on this defensive line. Interesting. Interesting. I like what he brings to the table on the defensive line. Uh, he's tough, high energy. He's a tone setter, uh, really responsible run defender. You know, part of this run defense overhaul that I think that we're trying to accomplish here. We'll get more into that as we talk about this stuff. High motor effective pass rusher as well. I mean, he's not somebody who's going to blow you away with his speed and bend around the edge or anything like that. But for whatever reason, his just relentlessness is high motor. He's effective. We also don't need him to be our primary pass no, rusher. No, 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 no. Yeah. We, we have so many other weapons too that just having that motor, and you know, and if they have to, you know, double team on the outside for something or whatever you know yeah you kind of forget about a guy like him yeah i would say in the system he's he's got more vital place in the run defense uh but he has that versatility to also rush the passer just as effectively as Mm -hmm. you know any other third guy right off your where he's he's a workable starter but he's probably not going to have that in a pass rush scenario so in your base front he's perfectly capable of rushing the passer he's got that nose for the ball too he always seems to be turning the ball over he's got that nasty to him he's a no bullshit style leader i would say too uh vocal leader on the team i love this move i think this is huge i was hoping that this would happen you did pencil that in right after the season of guys you wanted to retain was he was one of the guys yeah i i I think he has value on the field and off the field for this team um Mm -hmm. and then following that they made a really surprise i was kind of shocked by this one they they signed wide receiver paris campbell to a one-year deal worth 4.7 million dollars former ohio state star um that has barely done a goddamn thing since being (laughs) drafted by the indianapolis colts in the second round uh just absolutely riddled with injuries yeah. Um, I, mean, I want to know. I, so I want to know because because we're basically talking about a college player right now. I want your perspective of him as the player. And then I want your perspective on the risk associated with signing this this guy here. Well, I mean, again, you're in the worst possible position if you're going to Indianapolis. I mean, they haven't had a quarterback since what's his name retired. Right. They've had you know, a bunch of you know, guys they've tried to sign have all failed miserably. He's been hurt a lot uh, again for the. What what is the contract? It's just one year, four million. It is one year, like four and a half million. Okay, so not again, not going to break the bank. I think, you know, like with Waller, they're kind of saying the tone of they're 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 reaching a little bit, not so much in talent, but reaching for you know if this guy is healthy, his skill set can really help this team. Um, you know, are they all all these guys going to get hurt? I would hope not. You know, just knowing our luck, that'd probably be the case. But I think they are they are trying to think outside the box a little bit and trying to find diamonds in the rough and people like guys like him who have not really scratched the surface of what their potential was from back when they were in college. So again, this is not going to, this will either be a move that in five years we'll completely forget he was even on the roster or it might be one of those little surprises that kind of helped this team get to the next level. Yeah. This one has that like Corey Coleman kind of feel to it a mm-hmm. little bit, right? Where mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh yeah, he was like a first round pick. Wasn't he? I remember like, that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say this, though, um, this feel like an Andy Reid move to you, taking a 4'3 speed athlete that's 6 feet, 200 pounds, and his big question mark is just whether or not he can stay healthy, and that's it. We had one of those, and we got rid of him. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't think we're talking about the same thing here. 
I don't think he was released for his injuries. No, no. Well, you couldn't stay on the field, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, Possibly. I mean, you know, that's – when you see moves like this, you start thinking of guys running around in red uniforms running all over the place and having wide-open offenses. So I could see that, possibly. Yeah. um, I I think this is a uh, low-risk, high-reward player right here. On a medium to low-size wide receiver deal, right? I mean, it's like just – barely double the minimum yeah we're not trying to get wide receiver one out of this deal or really any of these deals we're trying to build depth uh, in the wide receiver room which you know it's great if you have a wide receiver one but if he goes down who do you have behind it and you're you know you're dumpster diving again like we have been the last couple of years so we are rising the seat the floor of what this wide receiver room is going to be and i don't even know if he factors in i don't know how much he factors into wide receiver room you know what i mean like at the very least he's like a gadget player he only has like one NFL season of projection. So real quick, in 2019, he only played seven games. He had some broken mm-hmm. bones, whatever. Um, 2020, he only played two games. and He had a knee strain, both MCL and PCL. 2021, he only played six games. Foot sprain ended his season. And then 2022, he played all 17 games. So this, this kind of, again, I, I, I hate to keep bringing him up again, but this bit's a little inside, I think. That it wasn't just the Kadarius Tony can't stay on the field while he, he's no good to us. And maybe there was more to right. what was going on in the building because you're you're rattling off these are more injuries and missing well, well, more also, time than Kadarius Tony did. Kadarius Tony was was uh, weighing more on the uh, wallet than uh, what, as a, as a first round pick. Yeah, his deal, yeah. and they, they were unable to do anything about it because the dead hit is always higher than the uh, cap hit for rookies on rookie right, deals. Right, right. So, I mean, on the on the other hand, they, they couldn't really move on. With Paris Campbell, if, if he flames out, they're on the hook for very little by comparison. So, yeah. I, I, yes, I think I agree with you. Yes, I think we've heard other things it, it, to that effect. But, it's not exactly apples to apples, but, but it's But I do think there's a, yeah, there's a thread there, I think, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in almost unnecessary news, they signed wide receiver Jeff Smith, who I think is really more of a special teams gunner. Uh, why I like this move, if it even affects, if he stays on the roster, um, because I like if you are going to try and do something about your special teams and actually do something about it. Don't just mm-hmm. sit there and keep depthing up your roster, hoping that eventually after five years, your depth guys are. That is a football grump mantra. If you're going to, if you're not going to make a real investment and a real effort to improve special teams. Don't waste your time, your money. Well, don't don't, don't waste it on a on a starter. Don't put starters yeah. in there if you're not going to invest. It, like if you want if you want to inv- if you want your special teams to be uh, some kind of asset or whatever, right? An advantage. Um, and we've seen this from championship teams before. And you you mm-hmm. want to put starters on there? That's fine. But you invest other stuff in there. You don't just hang your starters out to dry and exactly. hope to have them elevate your special teams from garbage to an advantage. You have to get them to get from you know above average to an advantage. Hey, if if you're you know they, you just resigned a punter where people were a little shaky on you know how you make that net better, you have better gunners. That's true. Uh, and I also, you know what? I didn't even make that connection. And I even defended him by saying his gunners let him out to dry last year at the second half of the year. I mean, again, that's not a splashy hire. It's not one that most people are thinking about. No, and he may not even make the team. But but that's how you. Those are the things that I think this front office is thinking about of kind of cleaning up the little things that may have been left go by you know previous regimes. And then just cleaning up some news. No more new signings. Uh, uh, defensive tackle Ashawn Robinson visited with the team today, Monday, as we're talking about this. So yesterday, as you're listening to this, this may not even this may be old news. He may have signed. Could be, yeah. Um, thoughts, concerns, questions. Well, I think that's what I was kind of alluding to before. Is if you know, if they bring this guy into the building, is that a harbinger that Leonard Williams may not be on this team this year? I don't think so. Not from a talent standpoint, in my opinion, no. Uh, I, I I mean like to me he's he's your upgrade over Justin Ellis. He's mm-hmm. your he is your bona fide run stuffer. I mean if that's how you're viewing Leonard Williams, if you think Leonard, uh, not you, I mean just in general, if someone <laughs> thinks that 
Leonard Williams is going to be replaced by Ashawn Robinson on the field schematically, I think no, we're no, going no. to be really, really, really sad. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't even thinking that at all. I'm just thinking how they want to use their assets. And, you know, we think, I think they are going to extend Leonard Williams. I think they want him on, they keep him on this team. They, they need to, you know, help that cap hit a little bit. But, you know, this is a, another guy they're bringing in on the defensive line potentially. And they may say, they may just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off with him. I don't think they will. I don't think they should, but I think it potentially puts it into play. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely more in play than it would have been, and I, I agree with you because uh, they're certainly being more active than I expected early on. Mm-hmm. And But, I mean, I think also – I think that's kind of what you do when you don't have as much money. I think you try and be more active early. You get your stuff in there to be more flexible in the draft. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's – I think that's the strategy there. I'd rather not wait for the market to be set on a lot of things. You just you sure. do what you can early, and then you let the draft kind of settle everything else. So we may not have news on Ashawn Robinson for some time. He may sign somewhere else anyway. Uh, so, but, so let me ask you something then. So I mean, kind of taking with this theme, you know, with these moves they've made over the last you know ten days or so, however long it's been, how do you how do you like them as a whole? Like as far as the direction we're going, you know, the moves they made, you know, the philosophy, it seems like what they're doing with these signings. Uh, well, I love it. I, I think they're for starters. I think they're doing exactly what I just said. They're, they're plugging as many spots without making too many splashes. Um, and that's going to allow them to, to be maneuverable in the draft. And, and I mean that both literally and figuratively, right? Like they're going to be able to change plans on a moment's notice because there is now very few glaring needs on this team. You know, center is a glaring need. Corner two, those are glaring needs. Those will definitely be addressed in, in days one and two of this draft. I, I would be very surprised if they're not. But that being said, there is nothing forcing them to do one before the other. There's nothing forcing anything else. I mean, they, they can they can sit pat and wait. They're not really too desperate to waste too much to do anything. Right. Um, and that comes to their free agency maneuvering. Uh, and that, that also means that I think pick 25, I think the trade down is absolutely possible. It's a weird spot to be picking um, when you have a few glaring needs, you know, that you may you might be better off trading down and getting something else. So I I think this this way of doing things, everything that seems like a splash deal in the free agency thus far has been a minimal commitment. So they're not on the hook for too much beyond a year or two out from what they're doing right now. So all these big moves, whatever, they can be extended if need be. They can be let go. They can move on. They're not stuck anywhere, and they're just co- – so this free agency is exciting, but they're still building through the draft. So yeah, I this, love it. I this love it. feels like a front office that knows exactly where this team is right now. This, you know, a fan, As fans, we can get very excited over making the playoffs last year and thinking, well, you know, a couple little moves here and there. We can make a run for the Super Bowl, but I don't think this front office thinks that. I think they're very grounded – you know, I think they took this whole last year to establish, you know, and, 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 you know, understand what the current roster was, what the needs really are. And they realize this is not a full-blown rebuild anymore. And they can, I don't want to call these band-aid moves, but little bridge moves, I guess, to keep them competitive, keep them, keep arrows moving up towards maybe some more wins and maybe, you know, return to the playoffs and do what they did. But the, the eye on the prize is long-term sustainability with this franchise, and none of these moves collectively together are building that, but they are putting us in a position where we can still build as if we are. So I think they're trying to do the best of both worlds, and I think they're doing it smartly. I do too. Um, <laughs> but notably, just, just two two departures here that are – um, of note, Julian Love was not re-signed by this team. It seemed that they kind of prioritized Darius Slayton over him, perhaps. You know, I mean, just because deals work out in a certain order does not necessarily mean priority. I shouldn't have even said that, actually. But well, that's why we can edit things. Well, true. <laughs> um, I probably won't, though. Um, but but so Julian Love signed with Seattle for a two-year deal where I think he will probably have a good role and do pretty well. Um any thoughts on that move? 
sucks, but you know something? It's uh, a couple of things that people have to realize that don't just say, well, we should have made him more of a priority to re-sign him. But remember, at the end of the day, free agents, the player controls ultimately where they want to go to. And if they can get a bigger bag somewhere, you know, they are not as loyal to a team as you are as the fan. So, you know, remember that with all these deals where you think, oh, why didn't we prioritize this guy more? It's, again, we can, you know, we're going to prioritize as much as we can as long as it fits in the master plan of this team. So, um, yeah, it's a tough break. I mean, he's a guy we thought, you know, as we, we, we talked about him quite a bit during last season. It's like, this is a guy that we'd like to have back and, and to build around. But, uh, you know, that is NFL roster building where, you know, you have to, there's challenges where people leave a little more unexpectedly than you think. So we'll have to just go back and get another one. Yeah. I think um, this is a defense that prioritized DBs. And I think that he is a solid DB that can plug and play multiple spots in this defense, but I don't think he really elevates athletically at any of those spots. So mm-hmm. I can understand their reluctance to the, or, or I guess like maybe perhaps setting a hard line for what they're going to offer him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like he kind of like when Jabril Peppers was out, it was like, it's not like they didn't miss a beat. Like, you know, he was responsible. He stepped into those shoes and he wasn't embarrassed, but also like he doesn't do eye opening things. He just right. kind of doesn't. I mean, like his interception that he nearly returned for a touchdown against the Ravens this year was probably the most athletic thing I've seen him do. And it looked like he was hurtling over bodies and whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are kind of outliers. Um, right. He's a good, solid player. He's smart. He knows what to do. He's a hard worker. I think, um, you know. He'll be missed. It's not, I, I, yeah, not, exactly. It's not going to be missed. It's just, you know, unfortunate. And that's, that's the business side of football. Yeah, but also, I, I mean, I think like, in terms of what Wink and this this organization wants as DBs, he doesn't fit athletically or measurement wise. So they're like, while he is a good player, uh, there's mm-hmm. always that working against him that was gonna probably put him out of their market reach because right. someone else was gonna be willing to pay him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just one last free agent note before we move on to wide receiver talk, real quick. John Feliciano is signing a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers, so he's out of here. We don't have a whole lot of details on that right now, but what we do know is there's no center on this roster Yes, at all. <laughs> That's a problem. That is a problem. Somebody, somebody has to hike the ball, and we do have no one to do that at this moment. I think uh, Shane Lemieux and Ben Bredesen become the emergency guys in reverse order. I think it would be Bredesen first. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the plan. We'll just leave it at that, and we'll, I, we'll, we'll talk I, I, interior would, O-line at an early, a later date. I would say off-season roster building is always a work in progress until opening kickoff in September. So we'll just hang a under-construction sign on the center position, and we will revisit. But it is certainly now a bigger need than it was a few weeks ago. Understatement of the year. Yeah. Yankee fan right there. <laughs> Um, so we can now get to the uh, the titular wide receiver review here. Ooh. Um, just real quick, let's recap what this wide receiver room looks like, okay? Uh, so we have Darren Waller. I'm going to include him because we're just going to be talking about receiving threats. Darren right. Waller, Wandale Robinson, who is coming off a post-ACL post injury. Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, okay? Those are likely starters there with... Sterling Shepard, also post-ACL, and Paris Campbell in reserves. And then you have the likes of, you know, your David Sills, Colin Johnson, etc. behind that, who may elevate, but I'm not going to worry about them for the sake of this team's roster construction right now. It's not really that inspiring, is it? Well, my first initial thought is, it's basically you're running back last year, and last year we're like, you know... We were, as we were trying to make the case for Daniel Jones and his money was, well, look at the cast of characters he had to work with. And other than Darren Waller, which again, we were hoping he's going to be healthy and, and, and be the threat he was, you know, a couple of years back. Yeah. But th- that sounds we're, familiar to Kenny Galladay, doesn't it? We're hoping yeah. he's going to be helpfully healthy it, it, and as you know, exactly. much of a badass so, as he was a couple of years ago. Right. So we're almost kind of running back what we said beginning of last year for, for this thing. It's like, well, where's, Never mind the you know the the, the deep vertical vertical threat the one that can break a, a defense. It's like 
where's where where are the weapons? So and, and I know we still have a major piece in this in the draft to, to think about and everything, and but not inspiring, not really, Bob. <laughs> not great, Bob. Not great, uh, Bob. Uh, yeah. So I mean, th- it's still that that very acute insight saying we were running back last year. It's it's absolutely true. Uh, it certainly looks like our post draft room. Um, I mean, like someone like Isaiah Hutkins is like. He was kind of a, you know, a, quite a find last year. But is it is it reasonable to expect he'll do exactly what he did last year? No, for it's us? not. I mean, yeah. I think it's reasonable to expect that he'll do what he did last year. But to to make him the de facto wide receiver one would be a bad idea. Um, oh, absolutely. So, so I mean, yeah. like you want to minimize what you're relying on him and let him ball out in the mismatches that are presented to him let him win his one-on-ones but don't force him into double coverage and expect him to be the producer that's not going to work and so, we were saying even about Darius Slayton too it's like if they're down the food chain a little bit yeah. who's, who's defending them that makes them it makes them more of a weapon but uh, right now there's nobody there's nobody to bump them down and that's what concerns me so that's what this room is missing right it's missing at least that number one guy that Stefan Diggs that they have in Buffalo Darren Waller is not replacing that. And it's also probably missing something more long-term than Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and I would even say Isaiah Hodgins. So there are multiple – they are not fixed anywhere with this despite free agency. There are multiple moves to be made still. I mean it's very reasonable to say opening day 2025, not one of these guys will be on the roster. (laughs) That's a little scary. In 2025, not one of these guys. I think Wondell Robinson will probably be on the roster, but that would be about it. And that would be health depending. I mean, what do we know? Yeah. yeah one year I mean, ACL surgery, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that being said, they are they are missing that alpha dog, right, and probably something else. I'm going to say at this point, this is all coming in the draft. I do not think that there is a free agency move. I think that despite the fact that multiple reports have said that the Giants are out on Odell Beckham at this point, people continue to draw that comparison. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. And you shouldn't want it to happen because it does not fit the vision of everything else they're doing. If Odell Beckham did not start his career at the New York Giants, would you all be in such a you know, hard-on to get him back? No. You... You are living in the past. You had a, you know, you're probably young. You are probably someone who doesn't really even remember those Super Bowls from a decade ago, and that is your glory. And you know, we, us Giant fans that are older that actually remember Super Bowl rings and actually when this team was consistently good, we don't have false idols. And you know, that was a, he definitely was. You know, one of those guys in, in the spirit of New York, like a Reggie Jackson or a Joe Namath or someone that was just a star and created controversy, good and bad. But now he is the other side of 30. He's had multiple major injuries. He's a cancer in a locker room. He's proven his way. He basically got himself traded out of here, got traded out of Cleveland. I mean, these are guys, you know, guys that get traded twice when you're that much of a talent. Tells me something's up. So I have no use for him. And you as a Giant fan should think about where this team is, where we want to allocate our money, and what we're buying with that kind of money. And that to me is a hard, hard pass. He wasn't even good in 2021. Oh. Yeah, let, let's stop with this revisionist history of, well, if he didn't get hurt, he'd all of a sudden have – 19 catches for 590 yards yeah, we and 12 just, touchdowns in the Super Bowl. What did I just say Darius Slayton ended last year with? I'm talking about those of his numbers just in that Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I mean, in general. It, last year, Darius Slayton ended with 750 yards. That's 200 more yards than Beckham had in 2021. Yeah. Which is, if you add his postseason in with his regular season, it equals something close to what Darius Slayton did. Oh, uh, not oh, in terms of way, t- in terms of receiving yards. And by the way, who was on the other side for Odell Beckham? When, you know, only exactly who probably should have been the MVP of the league. It, it's not even. I'm just I'm pointing out that it's just like there's this idea that he is something that he hasn't been for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. He just I and if you know 
maybe the time is right and he's going to come back and he's going to have that magic for one or two more years. But why would you want to take that risk? Because all the signs are pointing that that is not going to happen. So that that risk associated with that, you would never do for a Des Bryant or somebody who is drafted by another team. Would you do it if you were a team that was on the cusp of the Super Bowl? Sure. Are we that team? No. So why are we even having this conversation? Well, I mean, like we we <laughs> theoretically could be that team in two years if you want to be an optimistic Giants fan and and point to things that are being done and saying, oh well, I mean, this is kind of in the Daniel Jones window and the way they structured his contract. That's kind of a stretch in my opinion. But even then, you're still like, I would rather not. To, I think I just think you get better value out of the draft even in that scenario right. in the two year window. And he's already told you already he's not coming in the he's not in the base the bargain ring or the bargain rack right now. He wants to get paid. You know, he's gonna what was the the, the tweet he had this week? He's like, Well I'm not asking for twenty is ridiculous, but I also am not taking four. Yeah. Well yeah. guess what? He's looking a lot closer to twenty than he is for four. And I don't know where we, where this magical money comes up. There's no exemption for guys because they're on your team three teams ago. Yeah. I'm not looking for twenty, just nineteen and a half. Yeah, well, that'd be good. Um, so I think the answer to the wide receivers in the draft, and I think there's there's a couple spots they can target them, and I think spot 25 is definitely a spot, or, or I guess just the first round. I could see them even trading back a couple spots. But I think a guy like Zay Flowers from Boston College is totally off the map. So I think in the first round you're looking at your Quentin Johnston from TCU, if he's still there, Jordan Addison from USC, who's been linked to the Giants just as much as uh, – Mm-hmm. Johnston, and I think you're probably looking at Smith and Jigba from Ohio State with that wow people, or Keishon Boutte from LSU. I think he fell a little bit in the from the combine, but um, Boutte I think has a bit of bad taste in people's mouths over this past year or two. I mean, he I, had that. I think so too. Per, yeah, I mean perception wise, you know, that that Florida State game where he did basically nothing, and you know, I don't know. Uh, but I think in the first round, it's those three guys. I think. Right. Do you see the Giants potentially even trading up to get the guy they want at wide receiver if he's still available? Uh, I mean, I think that they have put themselves in a position to be as maneuverable on draft day as possible in terms of plans and picks. So, yes, I do see them draft moving up, and that could necessarily be for something other than a, a wide receiver. That could be a corner or a center as well. I if think if, yeah. if a guy is falling that they like, 100%, they are ready to move. Okay, that's that's kind of the feeling I get as well. That uh, they are not drafting just to make sure, to your point, not to make sure I get a wide receiver that nope. I think it's going to be the it's going to be the guy I like. Correct. And I think if it's if if those three guys, I mean, I, I'm assuming that those are the three guys that they're going to like, right? Um, they're they're all over six feet. Um, they are probably close. They're they're solid, polished route runners. In the case of Quentin Johnston, he's you know, I mean. 6'4", 215 pounds. I mean, he looks like a man running out there among kids. <laughs> Jordan Addison is, you know, your really, really solid route runner. Um, you know, just somebody that looks polished. He looks like an NFL receiver. Like, he knows what he's doing out there. Smith and Jigba, I would say, is probably another one. His big question is his injuries and just the fact that he played at Ohio State, right? Which is just the most gimmicky, hard-to-understand offense there is. Yeah. But the receivers coming out have been pretty decent, right? Pretty much. I mean, Paris more Campbell. so than the, more so than the quarterbacks have. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say so. I, I think I think that he's like I said. I'm I'm putting him in the possibility at 25. So he I'm not saying he's a slouch, but it does mean that I think he has a higher bust rate than the other two. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's very possible that they pass on a wide receiver in in round one. Like I said, corner, center, also very very possible. But day two, they're they're coming out of day two. By, by day two, they will have a new wide receiver on the roster. End of Agreed. story. Totally and I, agree. There is this weird cluster of very similar players that I would love in this offense. And they all – I have like really similar write-ups. They're all fleet-footed kind of slot-E receivers that have uh, outside potential. They have deep route potential in addition to being that more interior, shifty, quick-twitch guy. Um I, they, I think they all have that, and I think they all have some gadget ability. And that's Charlie Jones from Purdue. He's probably more closely related to a regular wide receiver than the rest of them. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. 
Um, really, really exciting player to watch. Jaden Reed, really, really polished wide receiver from Michigan State. Really, really underutilized. Had a lot of shitty QB play up there in Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland was misused a lot. They tried to use him a lot like Kentucky used Wandale Robinson as like a running back. I don't think that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I see why they tried it, but I don't think it worked. Um, and... Mario Williams from USC. His big thing for me, real, real short. Real, real short, but another one just like that. And then I think at this point, I've already told everyone that Nathaniel Dell was like one of my favorite wide receivers. Guy out of Houston, big problem is always going to be that he's even shorter than Mario Williams. He's like 5'8". But <laughs> Hey, but, nothing wrong with 5'8", buddy. <laughs> but I mean, all of these guys, very similar write-ups. So if you feel highly about Charlie Jones, you should feel kind of similarly about Nathaniel Dell. You have different little concerns with each guy there, but schematically what they can do on the field is all very, very, very similar and really, really exciting. I think it's going to be one of the guys from that group will be targeted on day two, one of the guys that I mentioned on the other group for day one. That's kind of where I see it. What do you think? Do you think, is my analysis of this offense right, you think? I think it's spot on. I think it's exactly what they're trying to do is get lots of shifty guys who can, you know, create, but you know, I, I, until we're proven otherwise, you know, I don't think this is going to be a bombs away offense for a while. I think it's going to be a lot of relying on receivers to, you know, catch the ball in space and, 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 and make something out of potentially nothing. So I think you're going to see guys like that. I think, uh, Drafting Wandell before we really knew, unless they had a master plan, they were going to get rid of uh, Kadarius Tony. Says they were going to try to get guys like him and, and try to get multiple guys with that skill set. So I, I think they will. You know, I would not be surprised at all if there's someone similar to that taken again. And they tried to build a, uh, you know, an artillery of guys like that, not just having one. If that one goes down, they have to rejigger the offense to something else. What do you think of the? NFL offenses starting to mirror the college game like this, where it's more about acquiring athletes. Like I was saying, the Andy Reid kind of method, the Andy Reid style move, getting Paris Campbell, but more acquiring acquiring your four four and four three athletes and putting them in space as opposed to getting the six four two hundred pound guy who can run a four five to be the X, and then you get the six foot guy. You know what I mean? The very specific requirements. What do you think about all that? I think, you know, I think offense wins. I mean, look at college. Look at the best teams in college over the last 10, 15 years. And look at the scores of the games that they play when they play in a conference championship game, the the college playoff, the national championship game. They aren't winning 14-9 games. They're winning 59-30 games. They're they're out-athleting you, you know, you can make up for any potential deficiencies you have in a quarterback because it's not the NFL where everybody's an NFL player. You know, you have to, you may have a line that might be a little shaky. You may not have a running game or something. So, um, and also I think the way the rules have evolved over the last 10, 15 years, they favor offenses so much more than they do, you know, have guys who can, you know, take advantage of defenses and, uh, and win one-on-one battles and outrun guys and out shifty guys. I, I think that's just the, I think this league, kind of like how basketball is, is getting more and more offensive-minded. You have to score points to win. Uh, you know, the Giants, well, they have one game this year over 30 points, or two games, rather. I mean, that's yeah, I not, think it was against Minnesota and, and, uh, and the Indianapolis. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's not going to cut it, you know, when you get into the playoffs and stuff, where you're ultimately going to have to score points. So I, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to see a, an NFL where you have a bunch of quarterbacks like a Vince Young or a Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson types will be more of the anomaly in the NFL, much more prevalent in college. But I think seeing those type of shifty receivers who do things and try to athlete you, I think that's going to be more and more of a trend going forward in the NFL. And I want to know your thoughts. Last question before we uh, kind of just wrap this up. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Very super weird gimmicky offense. Um, but if we're talking about the NFL game sort of mirroring the college game, um, could you see that move being made for Jalen Hyatt? Because I, I, personally, I'm not a fan. 
Sure. The the biggest gimmick on that offense was the fact that they just used to race – kind of like Oklahoma was in, in the 2000s when they had like Sam Bradford as a name from the past for you, yep. where they just was like as fast as you can, can get to the line, as fast as you can, can you know, hike the ball and stuff. So, you, you know, a lot of the time the success of the offense is predicated on the fact that defense just isn't ready to have the right personnel in or just running around with their heads cut off. Um, I had a massive game against Florida in the game. I was at that game in Knoxville. Um, I mean, I, I, I could see him being a, a solid NFL receiver. I don't think he's a day one guy, but uh, why, why don't you like him? I just think he was more a product of the offense. I, what I see from him is more well, – okay, I don't like him for the Giants. I don't really know. I think what he did at Tennessee makes him incredibly hard to scout. I think there's a lot of bust potential there, and it certainly looks like he's a project as far as making him into a route runner of any kind. I think that you can run a fairly gimmicky style offense in the NFL, but you can't run anything as gimmicky as Tennessee and get away with it. No, so I, not at all. You have to develop more out of him, and to me, there's, that's just too much wasted guesswork. Like, fuck, I, I don't want to screw around with that. We're not at that point. Maybe maybe if we had just been to the conference championship and lost by a field goal, we screw around with the idea of, like, taking a guy like this and, you know, whatever. Yeah, we're but still – I'm not, I'm not about building. that. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Our job also, we're, we are not trying to be teachers of guys if they have to get – if there's some significant polishing of route running or just changing the game. They weren't even playing the college game. They were playing this, you know – souped up super paced offense that globe driver shit it, it'll never happen in the nfl i mean you try to do that and you get a three and out and all of a sudden your defense is back on the field and back on the field again you know, yeah that they, they teams have tried in the past that savannah like that. banana bullshit they've it's failed miserably and uh, it works in college because again there's mismatches and you could score probably seven out of eight times that you have the ball but it doesn't work in the nfl defenses are too they're too quick. They're too fast. They're too smart. And no. Yeah, it doesn't work. You just don't have the athletic mismatches at the NFL level that you do in college. You just don't. exactly right. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, again, I don't think there's going to be any kind of big news that happens between now and next Monday. But if so, there will be an emergency episode. Darren Waller didn't make the cut for an emergency episode, so I wouldn't count on it. We've been kind of busy, you and I. I got this shiny nickel in my wallet that says that <laughs> something like Beckham signs tomorrow morning within oh, twenty within God. twenty minutes of us posting this. But uh, and if, if that's the case, you can clip this and run it on a twenty four hour loop. But and, you know, other than that, I, I kind of agree with you. I think I don't think this is the year or the time or the, the finances for the splashy move. And uh, we'll save that for the other team that uh, plays in our stadium and pays half the rent. Let them let them do all the splash they want. And we'll uh, we'll we'll cover tight ends next week. We'll have uh, a whole kind of conversation about that. That ties right into the Darren Waller news, as sure. he will become a focal point of this offense. He'll be a focal point of that conversation. And uh, we will see you all then. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and of course YouTube. Um, until then, go Giants! Go Giants! <laughs>